Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, it's been a little bit since our last edition of the podcast. I know you've been very, very busy covering recruiting, what with the Under Armour All-American game or whatever the heck they call that these days. Uh, I was a little bit under the weather during the Gasparilla Bowl and the the couple days after that. So good to get you back on the pod. I want to start kind of broad strokes. Let's talk about the Gasparilla Bowl game. Uh, Obviously, Blake, we kind of knew going into that one that Florida was potentially going to be lacking a little bit of motivation. You had a couple guys... Uh, not playing in that game. Zach Carter opted out, obviously. And then you actually had some guys that were in the transfer portal, like Jacob Copeland, that played in the game. I guess, what was your overall takeaway on that loss? And and does it even really mean anything at this point for Florida? You know, no, it doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, I, I actually, you know, over the holidays, I have some family that you know, went to UCF, you know, they're, they're big UCF fans. And they were like, you know, Hey, did you watch the game? And I'm like, yeah, I watched a little bit of it. You know, there was <laughs> like, you know, no coach, you know, there was like a, you know, a shell of a coaching staff, a bunch of players opted out. Some were hurt. Um, you know, so did, they were, you know, trying to like rag. And I was like, Dude, we, no, I don't think any Florida fan really cares. So I yeah. think in the grand scheme of things, you know, would you have liked to get a win? Sure. Um, I think I thought personally heading in that the motivation would be there to kind of send this coaching staff that a lot of these guys were either recruited under um, or, you know, they were really spent most of their career being coached under these guys. I thought there would be some, um, you know, some, some incentive for those guys to really play hard. And I, I think the defense, I think you saw shades of guys, you know, Brenton Cox, I think had a really good game. Yeah. Um, you know, he was really back there in the backfield the whole time. I think it was, you know, um, pretty cool to see Kyer Elam go out there and play because he was a guy that, you know, could have saved himself for the NFL draft, whatever his decision is there. Um, a lot of people think that he, you know, it's a pretty foregone conclusion that he is going to the NFL. So, you know, if that, if that is his decision, it was cool to see him go out there and play and compete. Um, but, you know, with all the, you know, the, between the injuries, you know, not having a guy like Anthony Richardson ready to play, you know, you're one injury away from Emory Jones, you know, going down to a true freshman quarterback in Carlos Del Rio Wilson right. or Jalen Kitna, um, you know, had guys that were in the portal like Jacob Copeland, you know, you know, had, tip of the cap to him for playing in the game. But I think sure inside, you know, he's like, you know, man, I'm out of here anyway. So who cares? So, you know, just a lot of the guys that weren't playing in the game, you know, in, in the grand scheme, I don't think it, it really matters, but I think there were some cool storylines, like I said about Elam and, you know, just Britton Cox having that big game. Yeah. I actually thought the motivation, I mean, it, it looked like the players were pretty engaged. I think you just saw, you saw a Florida team that obviously had some issues throughout the year, uh, probably didn't really win in the trenches against UCF, which was maybe a little bit surprising, even though, you know, obviously that was a weakness for Florida throughout the year. But end of the day, you know, you look at the numbers from that game and kind of how it played out. And quarterback was was kind of a huge issue for Florida in that game. You know, Emory Jones, not his best. Thirty nine percent passing. Yeah, I think it just was something like it that. wasn't good. And so I think that, you know, kind of crystallized in everybody's minds going forward that Florida's got some things to figure out at quarterback going forward, Blake. And, you know, certainly Anthony Richardson getting healthy would be 
a significant boost in the right direction in that way. But uh, that's that's no guarantee at this point. You know, he's he's had a lot of injuries in his time at Florida. Has undergone now a, a meniscus procedure uh, that that sidelined him for that game. And you know, hopefully Billy Napier and Florida are able to get him healthy. Uh, but Blake, I think we got to talk about the quarterback situation going forward because. Prior to that Gasparilla Bowl game, there was a report out from Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports that uh, Emory Jones was expected to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Well, so far, Blake, as of Saturday night, and we're, we're shooting on Monday morning here, Emory Jones still wasn't in the transfer portal. And I don't have exact details on whether or not that's still going to happen. But as you know, Blake, guys are getting ready to come back to campus for the spring semester. You know, players that are transferring or making those decisions. We've seen a couple players do it recently. Uh, two, two Florida guys actually pulled out of the portal, Dante Zanders and, and Lloyd Summerall. But if Emory's going to make a decision, you know, you would think that would come in the next couple days. And, and now you're in a, at a place, you know, for Florida where you've actually added Jack Miller out of the transfer portal from Ohio State. So kind of a lot of moving parts in this quarterback dynamic for Florida, Blake. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on on that quarterback room and maybe how it shakes out going into the spring, just you know, assuming Emory Jones is gone, but what does it look like for Florida in your view? You know, assuming Emory Jones is gone, you know, I think Anthony Richardson, I think he hit the nail on the head. He's had a lot of injuries during his time. I think the meniscus problem that he's had has been something that's been, you know, back yeah, when he goes, was in high school. Mm -hmm. So that's good that he's going to get that fixed. You know, I think that that could possibly, you know, kind of fix some of those lingering injuries that he's had. You know, he's had some lower body, you know, injuries through there. I believe it was the hamstring that was acting up in the USF game. So getting all that fixed and, and together, you know, I think that's big because I think that the, the ceiling is very high for Anthony Richardson. You look at just what he did from his limited snaps that he was able to play in the 2021 season. Um, I think he has a really bright future. I know the former coaching staff is really high on him. You know, if they were talking to, you know, some people, you know, that, there was a lot of comparisons to Dak Prescott, you know, that type of presence he has there, the type of command he has with his arm, you know, what he can do with his legs, you know, all those types of things. And you can see the comparisons, but considering if Anthony Richardson is gone, those injuries, man, I mean, Emory, you Emory. don't know what's going to happen. Or, excuse me, not sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want people Gator nation, out. take it, take a deep breath, Gator nation. That was on me. That's my fault. Um, considering if Emory Jones is gone, you know, and there, that spot is cleared, you know, the injuries that are there for, for Anthony Richardson, you know, you're, you're, not really having very much, uh, you know, depth behind him. So I think that was really good for them to add a guy like Jack Miller. Um, you know, the, the ties that he had, you know, um, to Napier, um, being from the state of Arizona, Napier obviously offered him when he was at Arizona state as an offensive coordinator out there. Um, you know, this is a guy that grew up going to Florida games. Um, you know, he, he idolizes Tim Tebow, um, doesn't really hasn't really had the the reps so to no, say only at, 14 at that college level I, I, I was about to say i know it's not been very many passes at, at ohio state but it, it's just another arm in there and you know he's still an able passer this was a guy that was still ranked very high um you know obviously it doesn't have the production at the college level but that's still a nice depth piece there because you know you consider that anthony richardson is going to be the guy for you um it's just keeping you from having to throw in a true freshman or a red shirt freshman or, or someone that is even more inexperienced than guys like, you know, Carlos Del Rio Wilson and, and uh, Jalen Kitna, like I said, and who knows if those guys even fit what Napier wants to do with exactly. the offense. So now you've got a guy that in Jack Miller that, you know, that fits what Napier wants to do. He's, he's sort of hand selected his own type of guy that fits what he wants to do um, and, and just kind of tailors things around there. So I think that going forward, 
Um, leading up to the February National Signing Day, I think it probably would be smart for Florida to continue to evaluate some of these high school quarterbacks that are left unsigned. Um, I know that I've had some stories up on the site and some, you know, some message board posts of guys that have heard from Florida, guys that the staff has followed. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how things play out going forward as far as, you know, who's going to take an official visit. Are they going to bring any guys on an official visit from the high school level? Personally, I think they should. Um, I haven't heard any that have been you know, set in stone, concrete, visiting on such and such date. But um, just looking at the depth right there, you know, I, and, and wanting to kind of put Napier's fingerprint on that room, I think that it would be smart to add a guy from the high school ranks. Yeah, and we've talked about that. And, you know, you and I have gone back and forth and, and disagreed a little bit on that. I, I'm not sure they should take a second quarterback. But Blake, unfortunately, uh, on a pretty tragic note, Robbie Roper was a guy that Florida was doing some scouting on. I don't believe they had offered him yet, uh, but he passed away if, if you're unaware. And so our condolences go out to the Roper family and everybody uh, in Georgia there uh, connected to him. But Blake, I did want to talk a little bit about some of the transfers because we've talked about spring semesters about to start now. And some of these guys are making decisions. Florida had six guys officially enter the NCAA transfer portal. Three of them at this point have made their decisions and picked a new school. Chris Bogle has committed to Michigan state and looks pretty locked in there. He officially visited there, visited Kentucky Jacob Copeland is committed to Maryland. I would expect him to be fully gone at this point. Um, and then the final guy of the three that have made a decision is offensive tackle Gerald Mincy, who's committed to Tennessee. And initially, Tennessee, it sounded like, wasn't quite sure if they were going to take him. It does sound like he's going to be part of their, their group now. So those three have officially made decisions, as I referenced a little bit earlier in the podcast today. Defensive ends Dante Zanders and Lloyd Summerall have both returned or I guess I shouldn't say return definitively, but they pulled their names out of the NCAA transfer portal. So it looks like they're at least going to go through spring ball, see kind of what the new staff has to offer, see where they fit in. Maybe if, if a new staff can give them a fresh opportunity, they end up sticking around for the fall. And then the final transfer that has entered, well, the final guy that has entered the transfer portal is linebacker Mamou Diabate. He's a guy that I've heard may well consider a return to Florida. Uh, but I think he has said publicly on social media, he's going to take his time with this process. So, and that's him. He's a very methodical, he is. you know, he's very, very, he's going to make an intelligent decision with whatever he does. He's going to weigh all the pros and cons. So those are the guys for Florida right now that are in the portal. And again, Emory Jones may at some point enter the portal. We're not really sure exactly what's going on there. I'm, I'm digging behind the scenes to try to get more info from guys that are plugged in at Florida that would know. But Blake, you've heard about a couple guys in the NCAA transfer portal that Florida has had contact with or maybe interested in. I know there's a, a very high quality receiver out of UTEP that Florida's interested in. A couple of Louisiana guys have gone in the portal in the last day or two. Can you clue us in on some of those guys? Yeah, the, the UTEP guy you're talking about is Jacob Cohen. Um, he's actually set to make his decision on Monday. Um, Florida is one of those final finalists on uh, you know in the mix for him. He has a son. He's from Arizona. Let me back up even more. He's from Arizona originally. He has a son that still, I believe, still lives out in Arizona. Arizona is one of his finalists. Um, Florida is one of his finalists as well. South Carolina, LSU, um, and a couple others were in the mix for him. But I, I would expect him to stay closer to home, to be closer to his son. So I think Arizona is going to be the pick for him. And that's one guy that I know that Florida has offered um, that they, you know, have, have given him a chance to play past that. I get a little unsure of exactly who's made contact, you know, who's guys, you know, persons of interest. I, I think two guys that recently entered the transfer portal, um, Osiris Torrance, who's an offensive guard, who's from the U University of Louisiana Lafayette. Um, just a guy that, you know, obviously the, the ties there speak for themselves, you know, Napier, all the other coaches that are there. Um, he's a high quality offensive lineman and he's at an interior part of the offensive line. And I think that that would be good for Florida to get someone there at the interior part of the line. 
you know, even if it's as simple as putting him in at guard and sliding out a, you know, a Josh Braun out to right tackle or something like that. Obviously there there's ways you can tinker on the line, but, you know, just kind of, you know, first impression thoughts, you know, I think that would be good for Florida to add a guy there that was getting, you know, second, third round draft, um, you know, NFL draft tags on him. So um, that's a way to really improve that offensive line. Uh, Makai Gardner is another guy. He's a defensive back. He also entered the NCAA transfer portal last night. Another guy from Louisiana Lafayette, you know, again, the ties speak for himself there. Um, so I think that those are two guys to really keep an eye on there. Um, you know, as far as it, it's tricky trying to find out, you know, which ones of these transfer guys have actually heard from the staff or right. just guys that gotten follows from the staff. Um, but you know, they've, you know, JD Dorizzo, um, he's a offensive lineman, um, from, oh, I can, I'm not going to remember the school now. Um, he's from sacred heart school that I'd never heard of before that. I don't know that there's been any contact made from him from the Florida guy from the Florida staff, but he's got a lot of offers. He's an all American guy at that level that he plays at. Um, so that's again, another offensive lineman that's, you know, it's it seen as at least a hot commodity by a lot of other schools. Um, so there, there are plenty of other guys, Isaiah Neor, he's a, um, a wide receiver from uh, uh, Wyoming that has, you know, had some follows from the Florida coaching staff. And again, I'm not really sure where the contact is at with some of these guys, but I do know that, you know, obviously if the coaching staff is following them, um, they're at least, you know, one DM away from, you know, saying, you know, what's going on, but I haven't seen any of these guys, you know, a lot of these guys have been pretty good about, you know, saying I've gotten an offer from such and such school. And I haven't really seen any of those guys. Um, there's a defensive lineman who's transferring from Hawaii who's gotten a lot of offers. Um, I, I, the name escapes me right off the top of my head at this point, but he's gotten some big-time offers and he's gotten some follows from the Florida coaching staff. So um, there's a small handful of guys from the transfer portal that Florida has at least you know, followed on Twitter. You know, They're still evaluating. We'll see if any offers come to the table from there. None that I have seen as far as right now, um, but you know, I, I, they're kind of, like you said, they're cutting it close with how soon the spring semester is going to be starting. Well, I think some of that too is Florida's going to be selective on these guys. And when you have you know, guys removing themselves from the transfer portal like Xanders and Summerall, that does add numbers to your scholarship amount that you have on the roster. And so Florida does have a relatively limited number of spots still. So I'd expect Florida to be pretty patient in pursuing these. I think it also, you know, if, if you don't take a lot of transfers now, yes, to some degree, you lose the ability to, to, to evaluate those guys in spring and have them learn the playbook. But at the same time, you do get the chance to go through spring and maybe reevaluate what you think were the needs beforehand versus now that you've seen these guys in spring for 15 practices, you may say, hey, okay, we're a little bit better off at this spot than I thought we were, or this spot's a little bit more concerning, and then you can kind of make a push. Blake, since it's been a week and a half, maybe two weeks since our last podcast, it, we, I wanted to touch on the staff hires a little bit. Florida has obviously expanded its off-field staff considerably, and they continue to roll out, it seems like, almost every day, a new hire or two. But as far as the on-field assistant coaches, I believe since our last podcast, there's only been one hire, and that would be William Piegler coming over from Michigan State. He coached running backs there, was was highly successful as a recruiter there in his two years, and uh, he he has some previous ties to Billy Napier. He's coming to coach the tight ends at Florida, so Florida now has the tight end coaching position filled. At this point, Blake, Florida still needs to hire four people, and there are four names that everybody has circled right now that are in the NFL, and I'll just go ahead and run through those names. We've talked about some of them on the podcast before, but Rob Sale, who's an offensive line coach with the New York Giants. Spent his uh, first spent the first three years with Napier at Louisiana before taking that job. Giant staff looks like it's uh, you know on the verge of of being dumped. I think there's a very 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 strong possibility that Rob Sale joins the Florida staff again. Nothing official until these NFL seasons end, and Florida kind of can 
seal the deal, so to speak. Um, but some of the other assistants, Blake, we've talked about Chris Rumpf is a guy that has been at Florida in the past, worked with Jim McElwain, has a lot of ties to Billy Napier at both Alabama and Clemson. He's a guy that right now is in the NFL as well, uh, coaching for the Chicago Bears. Bears, Bears yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, he should be pretty, I mean, I believe the Bears are eliminated from the playoffs. The Vikings, I, I believe as well, with Carl Scott, a guy that could come in and coach a couple different positions on defense. but we would expect to see him potentially in the secondary and then shift Patrick Tony around. And then the final guy, Blake is Eric Henderson. And I forget the exact ties with Henderson. Um, I believe he was at uh, UTSA with Patrick Tony back in 2016. And that's the connection to the staff. But those four hires, the athletic reported uh, are all guys that Florida is considering kind of waiting for NFL seasons to end so that they can get to the the final stages of of finalizing deals and that kind of thing. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that a hire comes from outside of those four names. I'm not sure that they're all locked in stone, but those are the four staff hires, Blake, that uh, we should, I think, be anticipating really in the next couple, I would say next week or two, because the NFL regular season ends next week for these coaches that, you know, their seasons are done. At that point, they can make a move. And, and, you know, I think the reason some of it is not done is some of these guys may entertain offers from other programs as well. And there's contract numbers and such, too. So All of that. You know. So, But those are the guys to keep an eye on. I think at this point, you know, those are going to be the names to watch first and foremost. Blake, I know that you've been out at Under Armour for the last week covering, you know, the practices leading up to that game, a couple Florida targets and, and commits in those games. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back on the other side, I'd like to talk to you about these All-American games, where Florida stands with a couple of these prospects, and then I'd like to get just a general overview of this January uh, recruiting period where Florida's going to be hosting a lot of official visits and what Florida needs to do to kind of put a, put a nice bow on this 2022 recruiting class right after this break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to touch on recruiting a little bit. You've been out at Under Armour over at the, uh, the Disney facilities there in Orlando. Can you fill us in on what we need to know about Florida recruiting and, and what guys were looking at, what you saw out of maybe some of the players that competed there? You know, it's kind of weird. This was uh, my 10th year covering the Under Armour practices, and uh, this was probably the most scarce as far as UF targets, commits, you know, all the, you know, the nine yards there. Um, only really like four guys, I think, that were really even somewhat on Florida's radar. Obviously, the five-star safety signee, Kamari Wilson, was, you know, the headliner for Florida there. Um, I don't know that going through in shells and helmets and, you know, not really going full pads, you know, during the practices is really his setting. 
Um, I think he's more of a, you know, in the box type of safety. And I think I was talking to 24 seven sports, Andrew Ivins about him when he was out there and we kind of compared him to a, you know, Marcus may, uh, you know, Matt Elam type of guy in the sense that extremely physical can cover if everything is in front of him. Perfect. If it gets behind him, which it can, I think that's where you start to see some of the struggles. And obviously those things can be changed with coaching. And, you know, he's going to have, you know, Patrick Tony and, you know, Corey Raymond in the secondary to really kind of tune things up for him. So, you know, he is in high school, you know, so there's still plenty of years that you can, you know, get those, that coaching for him. And he's going to come in as a young player, but he was, you know, he had some, some snaps where guys would get behind him. I um, mean, he couldn't quite run with them, but I think that his bread and butter is being an in the box type of safety guy, you know, really being physical, really hitting the, you know, people, um, and I think that's what, if you watch his tape and what you've seen him do at IMG Academy, I mean, that's what he was, that's what he was coached up to do. And I think that's what he's going to be recruited to do at Florida. Um, but I think one of the most promising things was that this is a guy who's going to play safety. You know, like I said, he's limited in certain things. He's more of an in the box safety, in my opinion, but you saw this guy. I, I don't think anyone in the entire, between both teams took more reps in, in, in the practices than Kamari did. You know, you saw him jumping in on a lot of reps, you know, really kind of talking a lot of trash, which is fun because. I always think that the Under Armour practices are kind of like the Pro Bowl where you have these guys that come in and it's like, man, this is a sweet vacation. I'm going to come out here and chill. I'm going to do that. And that wasn't really what Kamari was out there doing. He was out there talking trash and telling all the wide receivers, man, y'all are trash. Y'all are trash. And it's great because a lot of those practices are kind of boring. You know, you're sitting up there and everyone's just kind of going through the motions and you have some guys that get hurt during the week and some guys that maybe had come out to, you know, get some Under Armour gear and kind of chill all week. But, you know, that really wasn't what Kamari was out there to do. Um, and even as far as going out and taking some reps at corner, which really isn't his position, he saw him jump in at corner. Um, you know, it's just a guy that you can tell he loves football and he loves to compete. And that's what you like to see from a lot of these guys, because you see a lot of these recruits that, you know, yes, they're great players. Yes, they have great careers and go on to the NFL. But some of these guys, whenever you're watching them as, as they're being recruited, you're like, man, these guys really love football or they like being recruited. And I think that when you see Kamari doing all the reps and all the trash talk, he just looked comfortable out on the practice practice field, um, taking all the reps that he did. So, you know, I think that he's a guy that really loves football. And, I, you know, it, it was exciting to watch him out there, you know, talking some trash to guys. Um, hanging out with a lot of the guys. He's really big on recruiting. And I had an interview with him where he said he wants to be U.S. best recruiter for this cycle. Um, he'll be an early enrollee. So it'll be good for the guys in January that, you know, show up on visits for official visits or whatever they, you know, if they come in on an unofficial, um, he's going to be in their ear and he's going to be there as an early enrollee um, to really, you know, kind of show them around and talk up Florida. Um, the guy that he was probably talking to the most, two guys that he was probably talking to the most um, out there at Under Armour practices was uh, four-star safety Jacoby Matthews uh, from Louisiana. He'll be taking his official visit to Florida uh, the weekend of, Jan of, of January 14th. Um, that's probably Florida's most you know, loaded official visit weekend. I think right now I'm somewhere like 11 or 12 guys already expected in that weekend. Um, so it, it, that'll be a big weekend for Florida and that'll be a chance for Florida to get him on campus for the first time, um, spend time with the new coaching staff, you know, obviously him being from Louisiana Watch and a lot of these boy. coaches. Yeah. A lot of these guys coming from Louisiana Lafayette and Corey Raymond come from LSU and he's actually an LSU former LSU commit. So, you know, he knows Corey Raymond. Um, so there's a lot of ties there. And uh, Thomas, you know, you're from Louisiana. People from Louisiana, like, connect with other people from yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, so that, that really was a big deal to him to have those guys and those connections there. Um, Alabama, um, I think he said – LSU would be another official visit that he would take. I know so far he's only taken Texas and Texas A&M official visits in the fall and the summer. Um, so he's still got some other visits left to take, but Florida is the only one that he has set right now. A five-star linebacker, Harold Perkins. 
um, actually made his decision on Sunday at the Under Armour game and picked Texas A&M, which really shocked nobody because that was the team that he was leaning to for most of his recruitment. Um, but I think one of the interesting things where Florida comes in the mix here is that he said he did not sign. He did not sign during the early signing period. He was not announced by Texas A&M. Um, he's going to sign in February, um, and he's going to continue to take official visits in January. And, and as far as I know from talking to him at last talk during Under Armour, no dates have been set, but he mentioned Miami, uh, mentioned maybe LSU, but I, I don't think that that's one that I would really see happening because he said he hasn't talked to Brian Kelly. So I would think that Miami, USC, and Florida are the official visits he takes if he does go through with those. Um, he's been talking to, uh, you know, a lot of guys from Florida, Billy Napier, Patrick, Tony, uh, Jamar Chaney, who handles a lot of the linebackers and defensive guys from the, you know, the off field role. So, you know, they're really putting the full court press on him. Um, really trying to make him feel wanted and really trying to get him on campus for the first time. Um, Omori Arbor, I think is one guy worth mentioning. Um, he actually committed to Ohio state while he was out there. Um, no dates and it didn't sound quite as more of a surefire type of thing that he does take visits going for as compared to maybe a Harold Perkins. But he did mention that if he did take some visits down the road, you know, that Florida could possibly be one of those. So those were kind of the st- big storylines from the Under Armour game. Blake, uh, I know that uh, anytime there's a new coaching staff, it takes a little bit of time to build connections and, and figure out kind of what the board looks like for Florida. I, I wanted to get your take on what the primary needs for Florida are as they get into this January, you know, segment where they're trying to push towards national signing day. In your mind, what are the maybe three to four positions that, that Florida really needs to attack in recruiting? You know, I think linebacker is one area where they're really looking to, you know, really attack. You've seen them sign Shamar uh, James in the early signing period. Um, I think they want to continue to add some more guys in the fold there just from the, the offers that they put out, the guys they're bringing into campus. Um, offensive line, I think, is always going to be an area you need to address, you know, whether that's through the portal or through the high school recruiting. Um, and I think that's one area in the trenches, even on the on the defensive side of the ball, where, you know, Florida really needed to improve. You know, they've got some guys there now on the younger side, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that they need to continue to continue to add depth there. Um, so I think their um, wide receiver is an area where it's, it's interesting to me because they do have some younger guys that they've been able to add through the former coaching staff. But then whenever Napier comes in, you know, he, he obviously has to make contact with guys like Chandler Smith from Jaden Gibson. Um, you know, so I think that going forward, I think that they could see some guys, you know, that they offer, you know, they've obviously offered a guy, uh, Justice Lowe from, uh, you know, out in Oregon, who's committed to Utah. So they're still, you know, they're obviously looking at guys in the transfer portal. Um, so I think the wide receiver position is one where it's maybe not as big of a need as, you know, an offensive line, a defensive line or a linebacker, but I think it's more of a need for this class specifically, you know, just mm-hmm. because the bodies that are there on the slim side and running back, you know, running back is another position, you know, they've got some guys, you know, Trevante citizen who will be out at the army game this week, or I guess they call it the all American bowl now, but that, that'll always be, be the army, army game. game for yeah, me. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm going to call it the army game. So forgive me guys. Uh, it's going to be the army game. Um, he's one guy that I'm interested to see the national guys at 24 seven speak with. Um, he's just not a guy that picks up the phone. He's not a guy that likes to talk about recruiting unless you're there in person with him. Favorite guy. So I'm, those are the best. So I'm interested to see some of the quotes that he has when he's out there at the media days for, uh, for the army game. Um, Trevor ETN brother of Travis ETN, who's out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He'll make his decision on January 8th. I really like Florida's chances there. Um, Florida LSU and Clemson are the finalists for him. I've always thought it's more of a Clemson Florida battle. Um, but I think that, despite having his brother that went to Clemson, it just doesn't seem like a guy that's a Clemson lock. You know, he just has always seemed kind of enamored with Florida. Again, Louisiana guy having those Louisiana ties to the coaching staff at Florida. 
Um, I think I, I like Florida heading into that decision right there. Um, I really want to kind of see what, you know, some of the, you know, have some guys pick his brain while he's out there at the, uh, at the army game for the media day stuff. Um, he's going to take an official visit too on that January 14th weekend. Um, so, you know, I really like where Florida sits in there. Um, but I think it's a Florida Clemson battle for him. Um, but I think that running back is, you know, you have two seniors, you know, Malik Davis, um, uh, Damian Pierce that are more than likely on their way out. You know, I know they have an extra COVID year, but you know, you would think that those guys are probably on their way out. Anything about them. Haven't heard anything definitive there, but you know, with those guys being upperclassmen, um, Florida has some talent in there and still in the, in the running back room, but you've got Naquan Wright who had that bad injury in the FSU game. We'll see what happens there. Um, a pair of really talented transfers in Demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard. Um, but I think going forward, Florida still needs to address that running back position because yeah, sure. They need some bodies there and they need to, you know, kind of put their stamp, you know, because you look at what Billy Napier's done at, you know, at ULL, it's a guy that likes to run the ball. So, you know, he's definitely going to want to take attention to that running back room. Um, so I would say that the biggest positions for me, at least the way that they're recruiting right now, probably um, the linebacker room, um, the running back room, addressing up those, those guys on both sides of the ball. I think, again, wide receiver is in a big position, big picture wise for the roster, but I think for this class, and I think even safety is another one too. Um, you saw that they were, they did uh, address with Kamari Wilson, but they're still offering plenty of safeties out there. Right. So I think safety is another big position for them as well. Blake, uh, I don't want to get you too deep on recruiting. Anything else we need to get to today from a broad picture standpoint? Uh, obviously, we'll have you on in the next couple of weeks as these visits get a little bit closer. Yeah, you know, I think just looking up where things are shaping now, Florida is putting out a bunch of offers. You know, they're starting to kind of put together these official visits. Um, I've been kind of hammering out some of the guys that, you know, tell me they're taking their official visits. Um, I have a, a list on the on, on Swamp 24-7. If you drop down to where you see official visits, um, I have a lot of these guys already set up with, you know, what the dates that I have for now. Again, that January 14th weekend is looking absolutely loaded. Um, they have a bunch of guys that are going to be coming in there that weekend. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now, the number exactly. So right now I'm sitting at 12 guys for that weekend. So that's a big weekend for January. Usually, you know, you see all these guys sign in December and it's kind of like, man, this is boring the entire month of January right. leading up to, you know, the February signing day. That's not the case this year. And they're going to come out of the gate, you know, with a dead period ending. It ends at, at 14th of that, that Friday. So it'll go back to the contact period and Florida's going to have a loaded weekend of uh, official visitors on campus. Awesome, Blake. All right. Well, we'll give it you back on in the next uh, week or two to discuss that a little further. But uh, for now, guys, I think the, the areas to focus on are the transfer portal. Obviously, the spring semester is going to be starting up for most programs here pretty soon. So guys that are looking to get somewhere for spring ball, either whether that's leaving Florida to go to a new school like a Mahmoud Diabate potentially, or you know, guys deciding, hey, I haven't really found anything yet. I'm going to come back. Or Florida adds a couple. You know, Blake talked about the two guys from Louisiana. Uh, Jacob Cohen is going to announce today. Um, so a lot of things to look forward to as far as the transfer portal. And then I think really after this weekend, we start to see some more movement on the staff hires front. So stay tuned to swamp247.com, guys. I'll have you covered on all the staff hires. Uh, Blake and I will have you covered on any transfers. And then obviously Blake just does an absolutely tremendous job with recruiting, has kept you posted all the way through. And uh, frankly, he uh, that's that's what he does for our VIP subscribers. So a lot of that hits the subscribers well before you hear about it on the podcast. So if you really want to follow Florida football closely, be sure to check us out on swamp247.com. That'll do it for us today, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.